everyone. I would like to call the Economic Development Subcommittee um, Steering Committee. This is a joint meeting tonight to order uh, for September 21st, 2022, time being 6.02. Tonight, we have um, Jamie Helen, the administrators on Zoom, Bruce Hunchard is on Zoom, and um, the rest of us are in the chambers. Notice to residents, all citizens are welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Additionally, in an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or Zoom. The meetings will also be live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. Uh, the call-in number, the Zoom link is on the agenda at, on the town website. The call-in number is 1-929-205-6099. The meeting ID number is 833-1882-7134. That's 833-1882-7135. And then you press the pound button. Okay, all right, so here we all are tonight. Um, so tonight we have two two things on the agenda. The first is a discussion about the Franklin for All MAPC study and um, with the EDC Plus. Uh, Councilor Frangillo is here with us in the, in the chambers now. And the second is the downtown parking lot proposal, which is what the EDC has been working on, but um, everyone is welcome to hang out and help, and have fun with us. <laughs> okay. Um, so I will send it over. I'm going to send it to Jamie first and see if it should go to Brian. Or we'll let Jamie start. Thanks, Madam Chair, um, and through you to the committee. Uh, I'm going to try to to go through this uh, this first section uh, to follow along here. So for the item number one, the Franklin for All. It's, if folks recall at the last meeting um, when everybody made their recommendations or their votes in uh, August. We told everybody that we would come back uh, on September 21st and uh, give everybody an update after the staff was able to uh, pick up all the pieces here and see where everything fit and come with a proposed timeline for the work um, that was prioritized by the committee, uh, but also blended in uh, a couple of other items that were on the town council goals uh, this year. Um, we can't forget about those, right, Madam Chair? Um, and so, uh, and so, before you on the second page of the packet tonight is a short memo from me, a one-pager, just a brief line-by-line -line, uh, order uh, of events that we're proposing to the group. Um, there's a second memo in here by the uh, planning staff um, that outlines in a little greater detail. Uh, kind of some of the framework for each individual issue uh, that was a part of the Franklin for All project. Um, I will note that um, uh, you know the content that people see in the memo uh, again is to frame in the, the, the community planning office, I should say, uh, is intended to frame uh, the substance of the debate. It does not necessarily mean by the time we get through all this work, um, the details of all that may not be uh, exactly what's put forward. Uh, certainly the, the, uh, the committee has all the, uh, the roles that they want to change some of the details they can. 
But as we mentioned in August, uh, this is a tremendous amount of work with a lot of moving pieces, particularly with the MBTA zoning and the legislature considering accessory dwelling units and some other things. Um, we just wanted to put out a timeline uh, in the order of events. And so uh, really quickly, Madam Chair, uh, the proposed timeline uh, that the staff have put together is, uh, as you mentioned earlier in the meeting, the downtown parking district um, and parking lots bylaw amendment. That is a town council goal. It does not uh, necessarily uh, relate to the Franklin for All project, even though it does overlap a little bit. Uh, we're going to be uh, having the first discussion on those proposed maps uh, in a little bit. Uh, and then we're proposing to move into inclusionary zoning and look at the downtown MBTA zoning requirements. The regulations by the state uh, have been codified over the summer. Um, as I pointed out somewhere in a memo, um, that those are the regulations, at least for now. We don't know if an incoming governor will change those. Um, and so really cities and towns are being advised right now to follow at least what the guidelines are and the timelines that have already been codified in law. So I hope to have a discussion on that at the EDC level uh, next month. Um, and then uh, the third priority is one of the ones from the Franklin for All project, the accessory dwelling units. Um, the legislature uh, is considering some legislation in an economic development bill that still has some promise to get done by the end of the calendar year. Uh, the staff do think it's advantageous that we wait for that uh, to conclude. And at the latest, we would begin talking about accessory dwelling unit zoning in Franklin in January, which is when the new legislative session would start. Um, and then we also, I also added in here just for um, everybody's uh, information, uh, we've talked about it before, but these are also council goals and huge community priorities. Um, the open space and recreation plan um, expires at the end of the year. Um, and we anticipate starting that process as early as next month where there'll be an update before the Conservation Commission uh, as to uh, what that timeline will look like. But that will likely take us all the way into next spring. Um, and then uh, a couple of the other projects, uh, uh, the 40R public discussion, uh, we hope to have uh, next winter uh, in 2023. Uh, the shared parking concepts uh, the next spring and summer of 2023, which is another priority from the uh, Franklin for All uh, steering committee. And then um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this because uh, we have talked about it, but now it's getting a lot closer. Um, the townwide master plan, the 10 year townwide master plan uh, process, we anticipate kicking off uh, next uh, spring and summer of 2023. Uh, that'll take a little while, and it'll be a, a separate committee that will deal with that. But the great news is between Franklin for All, the housing production plan, the marketing and tourist study that was done a year ago, uh, the thriving uh, arts and culture uh, activities that are going on, we think there's already a lot of great work that's can be put, that's already been done that can be a part of that master planning effort. Um, and then some of the other issues that many have brought up maybe through these processes, um, can also be brought up if, we, if the council and we don't get to them, um, at least they can be brought up uh, for long-term planning at the townwide master plan effort. So that's uh, the overview, Madam Chair. Happy to answer any questions. I don't know if Brian uh, also may have some things to add. Thank you. Brian, do you have anything to add? Does anyone, or would anyone like, do you have anything to add? I think that's a great summary if you have questions. I'm 
Does anyone have any questions for Jamie O'Brien? No? All right. So, um, Brian, would you like to explain, uh, come up and talk about your um, your memo? Did everybody get a chance to read the memo um, about what he, about his, um, it's a good memo. It has a lot of information in it. <laughs> it talks about our recommendations um, and proposed zoning changes from the planning issues and an update. Yeah, I think, um, for the record, Brian Sperner, Director of Planning Community Development for the town. Um, I, I wanted to make sure I summarized um, some of the things that we've been talking about. Now, for years, we've been talking about inclusionary zoning. We've been talking about the density of housing in the downtown. We have, at one time or another, talked about accessory dwelling units and all of those things that are on here. And um, one of the things that um, we had addressed uh, through the funded um, for all project one of the recommendations was shared parking in the downtown, which um, I tried to point out a couple of issues with that type of scenario um, as far as how it would impact uh, the planning board and, and the town. Uh, so in general, uh, you know, I don't recommend moving forward with that other than the um, what the administration um, is working on right now, which you're going to be talking about in a little while. Um, Shared parking is a difficult um, scenario. Um, let's just say you have 100 spaces that you could possibly share. Um, how many should be committed to a different development? Um, who, who gets them? Um, and things of that nature can be really challenging to uh, implement. And if a new developer comes in and says, okay, I want half of my required, block. it has to come from the shared spaces, um, you need to get making a, a permanent agreement essentially with the town for that. You can't just base it on a three-year agreement or something. It has to be a, a really a long-term, if not mm -hmm. permanent. So there are a lot of uh, potential problems with that. Um, in the future, if other uh, properties open up, if Rockland Trust is redeveloped, well, who knows? I mean, there, there's a lot of great potential in the downtown right now. And nothing wrong with sharing parking spaces. But as far as I'm concerned, the planning uh, board um, really needs something to hang their hat on when somebody comes in and says, I want to share a space with somebody, share some spaces with somebody. Um, so anyway, that, that one issue is, uh, I thought, of interesting. Accessory dwelling units um, are something that we will be spending quite a bit of time on. Uh, the state has, um, is, do, is dealing with something, and that is morally more for seniors and people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of other types of accessory drawing units out there. Um, I gave a little diagram that I, I pulled out of um, AARP's, um, the ABCs of ADUs. Uh, it's actually a great little summary document, and uh, it shows, you know, it shows six different examples of uh, accessory dwelling units here and the different types that um, are, are possible. Um, and I think when we go look at 
the accessory dwelling units. Um, it right, adding right to our use tables that we will allow um, accessory use dwelling in certain districts and not in others. Those type of things are pretty straightforward and easy to do. We develop the definition, requirements, things of that nature. Um, so I don't see that as uh, going to be a challenging uh, situation. The 40R, which we'll get to um, it, in the in the future here, it, it won't be that far in the future. But we'll, what we need to do is uh, really to get an expert or two in to talk with us on the best way to approach it. And uh, we do have some a little bit of funding we can hire consultant with things of that nature. Um, so that'll be a, that'll be a good project that'll be we'll be working on. Um, so, I, if you have any questions, I'm I'm, I'm happy to take them. Um, and uh, the inclusionary zoning bylaw, um, I'd like to get the inclusionary zoning at least addressed on the books before we get into forty R situation. Is it the inclusionary zoning, the density in, in the downtown and other districts of, of housing? Those will lay out a baseline of what we will be dealing with when we get to the 40R and any other zoning uh, changes that we have in those areas. We're way overdue, um, and I think that uh, that will be very helpful. And I think we can also put in, um, maybe not in the zoning uh, bylaw, but Possibly, as far as the a so-called friendly 40B, and, uh, you know that type of concept having it in there also. Um, it sounds if the town is given, if somebody comes forward with an application, this is the process on that. We already developed a, a, a process in a way, uh, which I think is fine, which we'll um, continue working with. But some of this could go into the actual bylaw, zoning bylaw. Any questions? I don't have any questions for Brian. Council Frontillo. Yeah, thank you for this. I appreciate that you wrote out all your thoughts. Um, the only concern, well, one concern I had <laughs> was, um, yeah, the dismissal of the shared use parking policy for, for a few reasons. One is, I think that the recommendations of, of shared use parking policy from uh, MAPC um, were not just focused on uh, public lots, but were really focused. I mean, number one is conduct outreach to business owners. Number two, unpack items under that recommendation, where initiate discussions with owners of private parking lots uh, to understand their openness to shared use parking. That is the uh, the basis of uh, the, the shared use parking. It's, it's lo looking at our downtown and seeing that we have. Uh, I want to say 150 plus within just the triangle alone spots, which are very, very, very rarely, if ever, close to full. Uh, and can we make better use of those uh, of those spaces? Right. That to me is is what is uh, it's focused on, as well as how do we make better use of existing parking? When you get the the two of those, now you're looking at uh, you know 300 uh, spaces that um, won't be full uh, during the night times. And that's why they're looking at us and saying, hey, why would you ever you know, have a developer want to come downtown and force them to create their own parking when you already have 300 spots that are free uh, every night? Um, 
I don't know, to dismiss that seems, it's the third study now that's come in, the, the 2008 study said to do, uh, to bolster our, our shared parking. The 2020 MVP study, PC study said to bolster our shared parking. This is now saying to bolster our shared parking. They gave us other towns that do it. Um, I was looking at other towns that I like. Needham just had a study done. Um, and, and there was the state telling them to develop a shared use parking program. Uh, you know, so to say that it's complicated as a reason not to do it, uh, I don't know, I just don't find very compelling. Um, th there's a reason why you know, the accepted best practices seem to be pointing toward um, developing shared parking. Could I respond? Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you can locate a, a property owner in a downtown, a private property owner, that would that wants to actually share their parking spaces with an adjacent property owner. We already have some of that downtown. But if you do have that, then that is a private property owner dealing with another private property owner. Um, if you get a development that comes before the planning board and um, they, this developer says, so-and-so, a few hundred feet from my, from my property, says I can share use, um, share some of the parking spaces that they have available. They come in with an agreement that proves that. The planning board would likely say, great. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. We can do that today. Okay, so um, you know, so sharing a parking space is fine. To set up a a, a program where it, it, it's not really necessary, if you will, I think if you want to uh, push the issue and you want to uh, contact property owners and you know that have big, uh, parking spaces uh, you know available, I think that's great. Um, as you know, the Rockland Trust uh, lot. Um, I've been a couple of times over the years, few times actually, and I've talked with people about the, you know, what are you going to do with your property? Um, hey, there's a lot of potential development here. Um, you get a developer in there that has money that wants to deal with Rockland Trust on a on a mixed use pro project or do something like that. They're willing to talk with you, but it's, you know, you got to bring money to the game on on something. Like that. The town going in and saying, "Hey, you've got empty spaces here. I want the it available for um, residents to live in the area so they can park there at night or something." I don't know. I mean, I think that 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 complicates things, and I, I really don't know that I would be comfortable doing that. But if the you know, if the, my my boss says go do it, I'll make some phone calls and I will I'll go forward. But I really don't know. Um, you know, um, how to establish a really good, um, if you go down to, go to, go to um, Hyannis, all right? They have in the, they have a lot of off-street parking, underutilized, and they do have uh, programs where a business starts up here, they're within a few hundred yards or whatever of a certain parking space, they can assume that some of the parking will be in that lot. And that it's part of their permitting process because they have a lot of town and private parking, which they have, so they work something out. I don't know that we have enough in our downtown to bother. We have Rockland and we have some town spaces. 
And I would not want to, my own opinion, of course, I wouldn't want to commit the town spaces long term. You can't do it. If you're going to do it with a new developer, it has to be kind of a permanent situation. If it's not going to be a permanent situation, you're going to tell, you tell the planning board, well, for the next five years, I have an agreement here, but what do you do on year six? Right? So I, 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 if somebody has the idea in front of them, I would love to see it. I've done a little bit of research on other towns also. When I saw the proposal, uh, hear me out. I, I stayed out of the way of MAPC and doing their study intentionally because I did not want to be saying this is the right thing to do and you know or whatever. That's not that's not what I did. Now I am I'm back to maybe I'm back to be a planning and then a planning director. But I'm, I'm back in saying a shared use process right now in in our downtown. Um, if we can establish parameters, great. If you can't, but you got to prove it that. It's not going to be um, a developer hears about oh you town the town of Franklin has shared use parking in their downtown. We can do that, but you have to have it with an adjacent property owner or somebody within a few hundred feet of their lot. We can do that today. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if we want to do something else, then I'm I'm I've, I'm wide open to suggestions. But I don't I just don't see it happening in the near future. That's all. So, yeah, maybe it's a different. I'm oh, sorry, buddy. Continue. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's a different understanding of what a shared use parking program uh, would look like. Uh, I'm certainly aware that we list it off as a possible reason to give out a special permit in the planning process is um, you know, if, if you share parking with a uh, with another property, and I think that's all we say. So, to me, the recommendation here is. Has a few pieces. One is making it, making that process like building that out, to making it really clear. Okay, what what is shared parking? Um, here's why uh, we value it. What is it that you need to prove? You know, if you get this number of spots, you can count it against your um, parking minimum sort of thing, right? Building out the language uh, in our bylaw to really make it clear that uh, we're trying to encourage that sort of thing. The other is. Um, saying we're not giving up on talking to the downtown business owners that have an abundance of unused parking. Um, yeah, everything uh, has a price. Um, we, we have money, you know, like there, there's a, an appropriate um, amount um, that we would be uh, willing to pay to free up um, more spaces in a saying, let's, let's go forward uh, with that process. Um, and the final is um, this idea of, you know, yeah, as a developer comes in, um, can they count against their parking requirements? Can they use public uh, lots to count against uh, their parking requirements? It seems like that would still be a positive thing. Um, you know, if, you, if you're within a certain distance of a public lot, then uh, you need half as much of your commercial parking for X number of square feet. Uh, it might mean uh, we're gonna start offering with, with a lot of the downtowns, uh, Natick, uh, Amherst, uh, Mansfield, uh, East Hampton, Foxborough, um, as residential parking, parking permits that they find the right price and say, um, you know, if, you, if your place doesn't have uh, off street, um, 
parking, which we don't want to keep encouraging off-street parking, uh, but if you go to a place without off-street parking, uh, but still want to be able to um, bring a car, then there's some price for that that you're going to pay the town in order to uh, use our lots or use our existing parking. Um, it's really just about you know finding the right price to better allocate uh, existing resources as opposed to making people build out more parking, which we already have an overabundance of. Um, so it, it might be about you know semantics or finding exactly what this would look like, but I'm not ready to give up on it as as a concept. I have a couple of real quick thoughts. Uh, okay. um, one is that um, right now, if you go to the planning board and say, I, I, I'm supposed to have 50 spaces, I only have 25, the planning board can decide based on the neighborhood, based on adjacent town parking and everything else, whether it wants to waive down those 25 spaces. has the right to do that right now. It's a situation by situation. You know, each each development, each project that comes forward, they can do that. Um, and many times, if not all the time, they do that type of thing. Whether sometimes they're only waving it down five spaces, if you need fifty or whatever the case may be, but they have the ability to do that. Um, so on that note, as far as um, I know, it seems like we have a lot of unused parking um, in the downtown. If you and you're not, if you're always going to be able to find a parking space right now if you're going downtown. I agree with that. Um, many are on the road, a lot of them in town, town spaces. Um, I hope we don't sell off or lease off in long term um, spaces that can't be used by the general public and everything. So it, it, if you come up with scenarios you want to talk about, it, I think it's great. But I can't think of a perfect scenario right now. That and I have thought about it a lot, um, where um, I, I think we we have to be careful not to, to uh, tell a developer, yeah, you can get you know 25 of the public spaces for your development. I think that that's something that we really have to be careful not to do, um, unless unless you know we can we they can prove that we don't. We don't need those spaces and never use them. Um, I, I, we really, it, it, the world is changing, as we know. I mean, less people are going to be having their own vehicle in the f near future, hopefully. Um, um, but to do that, public transportation has to get improved too, right? And we so this it includes a lot of a lot of concepts that we, that all go together. And um, I don't know if we have time to, to fix all those, but. I'm willing to look at any concepts that you want to bring forward. I really am, and uh, I'll, I'll talk with I'll talk okay. with Jamie on on uh, you know uh, my priorities and which project comes first and all of that. Uh, if we need to uh, step it up on this way, then you know we'll we'll put aside something else and we'll look forward and do some research on that area. So. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Thank you, Council from Dillo. I'm gonna um, Greg Rondo has a and then we're going to go to Bruce and then I think that. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to chime in on, from the plan board aspect. Um, I agree with Brian. I think it could be a, quite a legal quandrum trying to establish spaces in a municipal parking lot. Uh, like Brian said, you give up the first five years and then the sixth year you get a developer comes in and he gets nothing. He's going to feel as if he was discriminated. Um, and I also believe that one of the lots we don't own that Dean owns, and we sublease it from them. 
So that's one lot off the table. I'm sure they're not privy to that. They work with us as, as the town. So basically leaves three lots. Um, yes, we do have uh, shared parking in a couple projects in town between private owners. Um, it's come in front of us. We've allowed it. But you're also going to make sure you don't um, you don't overwhelm that existing parking lot that they're sharing too. So you have to take that into consideration. Um, so yes, I think every development should come in front of the planning board and provide parking as needed. And then we can make the decision on how we want if we want to subtract five, ten, fifteen, twenty, depending on the situation. Um, but I thought this whole purpose was to revitalize the downtown for businesses and not for residential growth. And, the, and I believe in the um, survey that everybody did, everybody basically said they didn't want more residential growth downtown. They want the downtown to be revitalized for business. And I believe that's what it's all about, providing parking for the businesses and the people who run those businesses. So you can get in now. And let the people let the people in the downtown use it for that specific reason. And yet one other situation what happens when it comes to a snowstorm and you got 18 inches of snow and it's a private lot and all those cars are buried in the lot and you can't get the cars out and they're parking on the street. Now DBW can't snowball the streets, the sidewalks, municipal lots, you can't open up for everybody. I think it could create quite the quandrum legally. Um, she had lots private to private it's been done let them go for it like brian said rockland trust wants to work with a developer i'm going to do a mixed use you know building there share parking have to it but um i think i think the whole purpose was to, to help the businesses and get some foot traffic that's all thank you greg um do you have a response brian or i'm going to go out to zoom out to zoom to bruce I was yeah, muted, I'm sorry. You're muted. You're muted. Uh, yes. Thank you, Madam Chair. <laughs> Brian, uh, you put a lot of effort into Part 4, Smart Road Zoning Overlay District. My understanding is that uh, 40R is a state regulation already, and that my understanding also is that the town of Franklin has to adopt that regulation. Now, I understand you may want to put it in certain districts or whatever the overlay districts said you want to make 40R, but I don't know. Uh, you know why you well, I well, you know what you talked about here. It just seems like a lot of extra work has got to be done to get forty hour in place. I think the best thing to do if you were going to get a forty hour in place would be to get it in place and see how it plays out. You always got the. I'm pretty sure that you probably could put some local, and I'm not even sure about this, but maybe you could put some local regulations in there. Maybe a little bit more stricter than the state. I don't know. Uh, the other thing, as far as uh, accessory dwelling units. Uh, people in town have been getting them for quite a while now in different districts. If you want to pinpoint them towards uh, about four and five, that's fine of the downtown district. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, make them by right. But uh, I can tell you that most of the residents are in four and five. If they have to put on any additions or anything, they're going to be before the CBA anyway because they're going to need, need a sideline relief or whatever. Because most of those lots are very small and, and they've been that, you know, and that's the way they are. But, uh, just to answer Greg's question, you know, residential growth 
actually enhances economic development downtown. Uh, and I think one of the uh, the problems that you get with it that you're not going to get any economic development unless you include residential in it because people aren't going to come in and build a building, especially with some of the buildings of the downtown. Some of them are old; they may not be able to be rehabbed uh, efficiently. You get other buildings that just definitely would probably have to come down and be replaced. And the only way you're going to do that is with the residential aspect, whether it be on second, third, or fourth floor. You know. Um, so, with all that being said, I think the memo was good. The memorandums are good. They spell out everything. Um, there's actually James got a pretty good timeline on all this stuff because right, it doesn't happen overnight. So, and that's all I got to say, Madam Chair. Thank you, Bruce. Um, can, can I answer Bruce one quick question too? One quick question. So, so it's not even a question, Bruce. I agree with you um, about the residential growth, but there are underground parking garages that you can build structures on top of podium style buildings, uh, two story under, three story side. So, there's the ability to get the parking on these lots. If if they want the parking that bad, they'll make it work. So, I, didn't, I wasn't even talking about parking. I was talking about. It's talking about residential. No, I know residential, residential growth. But I'm going from the plan board side. Right. We want. We need the parking in order to get the residential and vice versa. No, I understand the parking issue. Yeah. I'm glad it's a planning board issue because that came up before us and kind of pushed it off for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so. Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah. You can do underground parking, and it's been done in town in a couple projects already, and right. it's already on the books. No, I understand. I, I, I understand completely about that. I didn't even. My, I didn't even have any concept of packing when I was talking about residential growth. You know? Yeah, I think. Um, it's, it's, I'm just saying it'll it, work. It's the only way. That, it's it, it's the only way that the uh, you know the commercial growth is going to happen is if you've got some residential backup. Somebody spending the money on a building. You know what it costs to build. Correct. And I understand that you can put a you know a garage on the ground as long as you got enough property for it. Correct. I mean downtown. I don't think has any. Uh, you know, underground springs or anything that they'd have to find out about. I don't think that even if there was lead, that's okay because they could just blast it up, throw it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Bruce. I think. I think. Um, the whole thing is about um, mixed use, right? And so that's yeah. commercial and residential, and we have enough space for people to feel comfortable. We have good sidewalks everywhere, so people can walk around. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like that's the vision everybody wants, even though they might have filled out something differently. Beth. Thank you. Um, Brian and Amy, you both worked on this a lot, and a lot of effort was put into this. So thank you very much for all the work you put into it. A um, couple questions for you. and. I'm not sure my comment's going to be a little unpopular, but um, for 40R, um, you're looking at the density that's showing about is it 20 units an acre, mm -hmm. I think, is the density for 40R, which is indicating that we're going to be covering the um, requirements for MBTA, MBTA communities, which I think was kind of the basis for why we started all of this, is to look at the downtown area, kind of maybe the, a little bit extended beyond that. Um, to figure out how we can meet the MBTA communities. Um, MBTA communities, in my understanding, is the density minimum is 15 units an acre, right? 
So in thinking about it, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, right, is um, kind of the survey happened, a lot of consensus, I think, from a lot of people, and you guys hear a lot around town, density is something people are concerned with right now. Um, you know, too dense is the concern people are having. Why are we looking at 40R that is increasing the density per acre at 20 units? <coughs> versus sticking with something that will meet the 15 units an acre, which maybe people be, might be a little bit more comfortable with, um, if we have to go that route. Um, and 40R, being a planner myself, don't disagree with hiring somebody outside of the planning office to take a look at it. I think you need a, another degree in all actuality to be able to understand what 40R is. Um, and reading it myself, it's going to take another person besides Amy and Brian trying to work on getting 40R in place if that's the route we're going to go. It's highly complex um, and hard to, to understand, even as a planner myself. Um, so would agree with that if that's the route we go down. Um, definitely get somebody outside <laughs> to understand this for us. Um, personally, um, I don't know if I think 40R is the best solution for us. Uh, I think finding a zoning that would be suitable to meet 15 units an acre would be great and finding a place to make that work. And knowing that we might have, um, or we'll definitely have a new governor in place come in November, a new people in new positions. Um, I know we're going to look at this if we're going down the path of having um, MHA communities in place, which is great. Um, we definitely need some housing. Um, need to support that, um, but it might change. So just making sure we are following what's in place, and I think the new final guidance was um, issued was in August of this past month, couple months ago, August 20, 22nd. Um, and if I'm Understanding it correctly, I think it said you can now look at how many developable acres are around your station to see if you can put. Well, right, I think. So, <clears throat> do we have to put all of this half mile radius right in our downtown? Uh, does it have to be all that density right downtown, or can we pick other areas? Um, do we have, what was it, 100, 100 acres of available yeah. land right in our downtown? How are we looking at this? Um, what are we doing? Um, that's just my input on it, and I'll leave it to you guys as the planners for our town to, to let us know what we should be doing. Just my thoughts. Happy to respond. Um, number one, the 40R uh, concept was an MAPC recommendation. Mm -hmm. So. There you have it. I, you know, my department, whether we agree or disagree, doesn't matter. That's the priority that they chose, and this, uh, you know, and, and this committee has uh, taken as its number one priority. So we, we're going to give it um, a good look and, and see what we can come up with. As far as the density, um, first of all, the the um, MBTA. Um, requirements that came up long after we started this project this was just like halfway through and they throw it on top of like, everything else so we're okay, well we have to address this right mm -hmm. um, and we agree that the downtown area should be a little denser than the rest of the community 
Um, and we, I also know that we were dealing with inclusionary zoning uh, a couple of years ago, we put on hold, and changing the density of residential development was also in C1 and, and uh, general residential five, uh, especially in those two zones. Um, so yeah, so now we now that we have the MBTA communities and a certain radius of, of that, and now the 40R is in there. I want to get. I want to take care of everything uh, as quick as I can, but not the 40R. Treat that as a totally separate project. Everything else, MBTA density, you know, housing, and all of that, we can deal with if we develop inclusionary zoning and all of that. Change the zones. Uh, um, right now, we have um, multifamily allowed up to one unit per thousand square feet in C1 and general residential five. It's not allowed by right. We do have it allowed by right in the downtown district, up to 20 uh, units per acre. And if they want more than that, they can go get a special permit. So I, I'd like to give a certain amount by right and then go for special permits over that. And I think that's the type of concept that I think we'll see in the near future. And uh, the 40R kit doesn't have to be um, you know, 100, 100 different parcels. It can be a very small area within this. If we can create a, a, a very small redevelopment type section of the town that we want to focus 40R on. You know, there's, there are a number of things we can do with it. We don't have to go with all uh, exactly what an APC um, came up with, or maybe we do. It's up to it's up to the, the council to vote on things and decide. But you're right. We need we do need people on the outside that are experts in that field to really come in and give us some options and alternatives of what the way to the way to approach this. Sure. That's why we're not uh, taking that on first. But we will be getting the doing the research and getting. People in the talk of this. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, Council Frangelo. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, a whole bunch has been said, and I've just sort of been writing down uh, notes. Um, I don't want to belabor the shared parking. I do think it's misleading to think that shared parking is just about is about selling off a certain number of our spaces to the developer. Uh, the Department of, uh, the State Department around Community Development and Housing uh, recommends the Urban Land Institute's shared parking policies, which are really just about uh, having like uh, permit processes that allow people uh, to buy in to the same spaces as opposed to giving them away to the developer. So uh, it's, there's a lot to do that stops short of uh, chopping off uh, part of our public parking. Um, yes, uh, the priority was to support businesses, and I think it's already been touched upon, and I appreciate those who have touched upon it, uh, including Bruce and Brian. Uh, the, the best way uh, to support our businesses is by ensuring that there are residents uh, nearby in walking distance that use them on a regular uh, basis. Uh, both to provide the customers and to make sure that it's developable, developable uh, property. Um, 
where the tenants who are we're looking to invest in a new property are getting enough uh, income. And, and even then, I would say that it's, it's, you know, we had a survey that we know is was very biased toward wealthier um, and, and more likely to be homeowners than the average uh, person in Franklin. So already, they were going to be against new housing, and yet, 71% of those uh, who had an opinion um, said that they did support uh, and they thought it was important to provide a range of housing types and sizes. And I think that's consistent with what we're hearing. I, I was just at senior center office hours and there was a, a, the largest office hours we've had yet. Uh, a line of uh, seniors saying that they can't find um, housing that meets their price point, that they want to stay in Franklin, but they can't uh, find housing that meets the price point. What are going to be housing that meets the price points? Could be smaller units near uh, transit um, within walking distance uh, and transit of our of, uh, basic needs. So uh, I do think housing you know, is, is both supported and, and supports our, our businesses. Uh, underground parking spaces. Uh, MAPC just did a study. They say that the average underground parking space costs $31,000 per space to build. Um, if we want to do that, uh, we are, it's either cost prohibitive for anyone to come in and invest in our downtown properties if we make them do underground parking, or it gets baked into the rents and then we don't have the cheap uh, affordable housing uh, for our residents to move into. Uh, they're going to just be uh, the, the luxury condos. We need to stop forcing our downtown properties to create new parking. We have plenty of parking around. Uh, why 40R? The reason for 40R, and, and I am also okay with, with stopping short of that, but the reason was because we get money from the state. If we know that we want a walkable uh, downtown, we know that we want more housing options uh, downtown, uh, why not make sure that we do so in a way that the state is going to reward and just give us money to improve our streetscape, to improve um, our amenities, um, to make sure that we're uh, maintaining uh, those properties well, to do facade improvements are what the, those money can be used for. So that's why um, we, we would meet uh, 40R. Uh, there was a note about people being scared of housing. I think the main reason that people in Franklin are scared of new housing is because all we've done, we've restricted all types of housing except for single family homes and large apartment complexes. And if all you allow is large apartment complexes, then yeah, new housing is scary because it, it, it's a quick jump to a lot more units than were otherwise in your uh, backyard. What we're talking about here is incremental density. These are duplexes. These are accessory dwelling units. These are triplexes, maybe four. I think that residents would be shocked to, to realize how many of these are around them all throughout our downtown. Are these mid, middle housing um, types of properties that are legal to build now? And we've made it so that the only things that you're allowed to build are these large apartment complexes. So I don't think density has to be scary. It's just as scary now under current zoning, and that's why uh, we're making these changes. Um, why do we do this around our downtown? This is my last point. Why do we uh, focus on our downtown? Uh, because we know that that has the most return on our investment. I just got a study uh, today that said homes 
uh, near transit appreciate, <clears throat> now this is a national study, they appreciate anywhere from 4 to 24% faster than other types uh, than properties away from transit. Um, if we want to allow uh, new spaces uh, to come in and we want to make sure that we all benefit, we get to put it into our schools and our parks and our police and our fire, that it makes sense to put those units into our downtown where people can get to the basic needs and we all uh, get the benefits of it. I think that addressed everything that's come up so far. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Yeah. Councilor Sheridan, do you have anything, any questions? Councilor Jones? Just a quick comment. Yeah. Brian, great job at all out here, which we did as well. Because it put so much hard work into this. This is one of many discussions that we've had over the years. Planning board level as well as the EDC level in regards to what we should ultimately do as a town in regards to the type of zoning that we have downtown. First of all, I'm going to reiterate a few points. One, much of the area downtown is privately. And for the town to step in and try and negotiate just about anything, it, it's, 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 it, it, A, it's, it's, it's really not in our best interest to get into those kind of negotiations with the property owners for one simple reason. We, we as a town community have enough of our own parking to meet most of our needs. There's really no need to get into negotiations. Rockland Trust, Greater Rockland Trust. Um, a, they're not even front frank. No insults to Rockland Trust, but they're not even front frank. Not, not the Ben Franklin that the bank used to be. So their vested interest isn't really in Franklin, it's just what the bank feels like doing. And they have the majority of the parking spaces in the center of town that could be better purposed if they were if they were re, you know, respent to better purpose serve the, the needs of the downtown. But I don't think Rockland's in a position of the one wants to talk about something like that. Which is fine. That's their right. They have the right private companies, private businesses have the right to make their own decisions. It's not our job to go twisting anyone's arm when it comes to parking. But when it comes to the development. I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is that the town of Franklin has had a very good reputation for being able to best decide what we feel is the best decision for the downtown in lieu of allowing the state or other entities coming in and saying, hey, we think you should do this, and if you do it, we're going to hang this little carrot over your head that says, we're going to give you money if you do this and do things our way. Well, this is our town. We should be the ones that are making that decision. Which is why, Brian, I appreciate your comment in regards to stopping short and to just jumping right into the 40R and just holding back a little bit to first kind of take a big picture look and say to ourselves, what do we think as a community would be best suited for this area? And if the 40R just happens to be the one that works great, great, we'll do that. But I think we should make that decision first and kind of re re really evaluate things on our end first before just jumping into some statewide play on something. And, and Beth, you're right. There, I'm sure there's, going to, there's got to be something that we can look at from a big picture perspective and say, OK, maybe we can do this. Maybe this will maybe small densities will work. But the town has a great reputation for being able to meet the needs of the community as a whole. And I think Brian, your, your department, has done such a great job over the years coming up with ideas and thoughts on what we should, we should meet. Everything from from uh, business zones to all the setbacks and all the other rules we put in place at the same time. And honestly, 
if the business owners want to build, great. But let me tell you something. I've talked to many of the business owners downtown, and last time I checked, many of them aren't really, they're just not even really willing, very willing or able to just simply invest a ridiculous amount of money into their buildings in order to try to meet some kind of hope and goal that we have. Because ultimately, they're the decision makers. They hold the dollars, they own the properties. If, if they want to develop it, great. On my end, of this town, town of Franklin, I'm more than willing to help out anybody who wants to invest money into their property. But they hold the cards, they own the property. And we are restricted to what we can do. Thank you, Councilor General. That was a little longer than this discussion. accessory dwelling is very interesting um, so you know I agree that we need to work small and so um, you know we have our inclusionary zoning that um, is, is on here for fall this this fall and then the accessory dwelling units right this fall and winter um, I think if we go for a um, the 40R, we bring somebody in for that. Is there any way that we could work on commercial, commercial one mixed mixed use by right? I don't think that's by right in in the commercial one zone. That was um, one of the things, one of the recommendations. Um, it's also, like be part of the 40R overlay. Right, right. So if we if we hold off on the 40R overlay, maybe we could work on that and. The multifamily by right and the definition of the multifamily, I know um, that was one of the recommendations. It also helps just squeeze the um, density just a little bit, and, um, and maybe that would be enough. So, but that's your job to figure that out. <laughs> to do those under number two. Number two? <clears throat> Right, to, to do a, those other pieces. The, the downtown housing the density. The family and the mixed use. To do that while we're looking at downtown. Is that what you meant, Brian? Number two is, is looking at the underlying zoning in all of these districts. 40 R's overlay district. So I would like to get the inclusionary zoning, housing density, all of those issues okay. quickly as, you know, as reasonable time as possible. Now we get into the 40R, it is an overlay. Okay. Or we can do something different or an addition in those areas. 
right. So that would that would include the multifamily. To me, multifamily and mixed use are part of looking at downtown housing density. Right. But not in the commercial one zone. We need to we need to address multifamily in the commercial one, the mm -hmm. GR five, the downtown commercial, maybe even uh, the uh, GR the uh, single family residential four. I mean, we might, might want to change something there too. So we look at all of those issues. Okay. In each of the areas uh, will require its own uh, its own requirements as right. it, as it has now. We might want to tweak some of them. We want to make major changes in others. It's, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll be all on the same project. Okay, awesome, thank you. I'm sorry that I misunderstood that. Um, Jamie. I just want to remind everybody on 40R, there's another aspect to this, which is also about the facade and about the look and feel and the location of these things. 40R is not just simply dealing with density, or the topics that are on the minds of people today, um, you know, on social media or whatever, it's a much more extensive process. And as we've talked about before, we're much more um, all-encompassing of all the issues around housing. It's about the look and feel of the building. It's not just the height. It's very, very complicated. And so um, that's one of the reasons why we propose to put that priority a little further along because there is going to have to be a lot more time and attention paid to all of the details into a 40R. The other thing I would mention on 40R really quickly is that 40Rs can also be used to Bruce's point earlier. You know, if there was a project that came to the town that we thought might be a good candidate for for a 40R, the town is in the driver's seat to be uh, to be able to work with the developer on something like a depot plaza where you can start to work on these issues on an individualized basis. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, a whole overlay um, that is more global and that we have to make the process uh, as extensive as what some are bringing it out to be. So that's one of the reasons why we proposed it a little later was so some of these other issues that have been brought up, we can hopefully check off those goals and check off those, uh, that progress and allow for a more extensive conversation on 40 hours, especially as you go into the master planning process next spring and summer, it kind of lends itself to a nice bridge right into that. Finally, I'll, I'll just close with one other quick comment, Madam Chair, on the parking lots. I just want to remind everybody, the town only owns one parking lot, really. Okay, the town does not own Ferraris. In terms of shared parking. We do not own the Ferraris lot. The town does not own the library lot, which is owned by Dean College. I believe uh, Greg mentioned that a little while ago. We cannot consider the Davis there parking spaces at all as long-term solutions to anything, because that's going to have a whole separate process that's going to start later this fall in terms of what, to use, what the future of Davis there will be. So really, in terms of shared parking, with the municipal lots, you're really down to one lot, which is Depot, which is 68 spaces. And I know we're gonna talk about that in a minute, a little bit deeper. But even with the approved 16 units at 19 Dean Ave, um, you know, and to best point earlier of other, of other buildings that may uh, tap into that, the town may find itself that you have no more parking, as Brian pointed out earlier, for customers, consumers, merchants, employees, commuters or anybody else because you've just given a license to those spaces 
for permanent residential uh, restrictions for uh, probably a perpetuity. And that was exactly the, the complexity around this, especially around public procurement of what's the greatest and highest best use of that asset. If the town ever were to sell off that property or to, or to lease it out or lease out those spaces in the future, you have to be very, very careful to make sure that that public asset, which is a taxpayer-owned property, is bringing the greatest return on investment back to the taxpayer on that. And, and that may not be, it could be, but it may not be just having parking passes or, well, there's a development down the street, first come, first serve, if the developer gets it. That is something that I think the town has to very seriously consider those 68 spaces and what they're gonna use them on and whether or not they really are used for residential. The irony of this is the entity that needs them is the MBTA, which has a lot right below ours, which has double the amount of spaces and they're not used at all. The MBTA would probably benefit greatly today from a shared use parking policy in some sort of way because they probably could use the revenue uh, given their financial troubles. So uh, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to close that up, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, okay, so I guess we have a we have a good timeline. We have everybody's given their opinions, and um, I look forward to our next meeting, which we don't have. Will be fall sometime maybe in October, Jamie. Shake them one at a time, Madam Chair. Get to the parking first, and then we'll see. We're gonna do parking up. first. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know he doesn't want to schedule him. I don't. I'm guessing, to be honest, I'm probably guessing in November at this point. November. There's a couple other things okay. in October. So I'm guessing the inclusionary density MBTA community's priority number two. Um, not, by the way, with all the other add-ons that were just added in. Some of the baseline stuff that we had talked about in the housing production plan, we'd be able to take out hopefully in November. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. All right. And with that, I think we will move on to number two on the agenda. And if the um, EDC Plus does not want to continue here tonight with us, so you're okay to leave. You can move to the audience. You can stay up here. You can stay online if you want, Bruce. No, I'm with, I was just going to try to get a hold of you. I got a prior commitment. I got to leave right now. Okay. I figured it wouldn't be done right now. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. We're going to let everybody sit down. Okay. Um, so our second item on the agenda is the downtown parking lot proposal. Uh, I know the town staff has done a lot of work on this. And there's a lot of really good things here. So, um, Jamie, do you want to start us off? Sure. Thanks, Madam Chair. Um, Alicia, I assume the proposed district map is on the screen or could be put on the screen. It's and, on the screen. Uh, for those, yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, that's the current, I believe. Oh. Um, and then I know for the audience at home, the uh, I mean, they're in the chamber. I know there's some maps up uh, for yep. reference point too. So I'm just going to go through. Um, I'm just going to go through as quickly as I can, Madam Chair, the the current versus proposed. I'm going to try to do the best I can to synthesize the changes as easy as possible for the folks at home that are listening and the folks that are on Zoom with me that are listening. 
So can we have a, if we have a copy of the, of the map in front of us, but I don't know if it will be easy for everyone else. Go ahead, Jamie. Sure. So in terms of the current, um, folks may recall that back in, I believe it was 2016 and 17, uh, the town went through and created a map after the downtown um, revitalization infrastructure project was complete. There were some tweaks uh, in 2018, but very minor. So this is somewhat of a substantial change, uh, and I think it's fairly direct in terms of where the change, uh, where the biggest change, proposed change is. Um, for folks that are looking at the current map versus today, the red district, no parking. Um, there are no changes proposed, as outlined in my memo. Um, the parking that's in red were determined either by public safety, town engineers, or others uh, to reflect either too narrow roads, turn radius, emergency personnel vehicles, and a variety of other criteria. We specifically put on there those red zones for no parking. Uh, I should note, if no color exists anywhere, um, then there are no parking uh, regulations to follow. You can park freely on those, on those streets, any residents. Uh, so there's no changes to the, uh, to the red area, the red Jamie, area. Jamie, can I interrupt the, you for a second? Sure. Um, I just wanted to let people know that there, the, the big maps there on the, if you want to look at the big maps in the, <laughs> they're like passing the papers back. I'm like, you can look at the big map. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, the second area um, we are proposing changes um, is on residential streets, which um, on the current map, there are both a blue category and a purple category. Um, and the only difference really there is between the parking uh, regulations between uh, 8 and 2 p.m. or 8 and noon. Um, we're proposing to merge all both the purple and the blue into one color blue, which is two-hour parking from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. And again, those are on residential streets. Um, and over the last four or five years, uh, six years rather since this map, um, I have not heard a tremendous amount uh, of concerns relative to the distinction between those two areas. And I think most people seem to be uh, hopefully happy uh, with those residential streets. So again, the purple would end up becoming a blue area, uh, which would be 8 to 2 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. Um, the largest area on here, uh, the two next sections, uh, are the ones of most substance. Uh, number one is, as the council knows earlier this year, there was a first reading of a proposed uh, downtown business corridor, uh, both Main Street and East Central Street. Uh, through the years, we've heard a lot of uh, concerns from many business owners about cars parking uh, for far too long, notably over the weekends, but even overnight um, uh, on those spaces, and that those spaces were to be opened up on a greater rotation for business commerce. Um, and so what we're proposing is to basically amend what the council had already done one uh, reading on and propose one hour parking on just Main Street and East Central Street, those strips in orange, uh, which would be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Monday through Saturday uh, with no overnight parking uh, uh, between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. Um, one of the reasons for this, there's multiple, and I'm, I'm certainly not under any delusion of grandeur that, um, that many people uh, are, are probably a little surprised by the one hour uh, proposal. Um, but one of the reasons uh, for it is um, that uh, the staff had looked at the parking lots, um, which we'll get to in a minute, 
and um, having hours in those parking lots from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, is the jurisdiction there and there was a, a sense on the staff to do the best we could we we know that it may not be perfect but to do the best we could to try to keep the time zones uh, as uh, consistent as possible um, and we also believe that uh, the one hour parking um, will create on those two small zones on Main Street and East Central Street will create a far greater rotation of automobiles uh, going in and out uh, for uh, basic trips um, to, uh, to those businesses. The next proposed uh, change on the map is something that is new, which is regarding the parking lots. Um, as many of you probably know, um, in the town bylaw under the police uh, section of fees in section 82 uh, in the town code, um, the, de the depot and Ferrara's parking lots in particular are completely uh, scripted into town code as being delineated for commuter only and merchant space only. Okay, on the current uh, map. So right now, the general public really does not have much access to those lots unless it's later in there. And obviously during the pandemic, um, to put it mildly, uh, we're not selling any spaces. Uh, commuting has completely changed. Um, and we have not had any merchant spaces be purchased um, over the last two and a half years. Um, and quite honestly, um, you know, I think it's about time anyway. I was here in 2016 and 17, we went through these downtown parking revisions. And um, there was oftentimes, because there was far greater demand for those spaces from both commuters and maybe, I wouldn't say merchants, but at least one merchant, <laughs> um, but for merchants, there was oftentimes a, 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 a heavy debate around how you could splice up those spaces to fulfill both needs. And uh, through the incredible research uh, of uh, the Franklin Police Department and Alicia Lean in my office, um, they went out and did some research uh, on, some, uh, um, on some kiosks, which later in my memo I outlined. Uh, we are proposing to install um, uh, pay kiosks in the Depot Street and the Ferraris parking lots um, to be able allow to open up all of those spaces on a first come first serve basis for anybody. So in other words, commuters can can tap into that if they get there. Uh, the first train leaves at 5.15. It's kind of an awkward time, so we started with six, figuring you're not commuting to Boston from 5.15 to six and back in that amount of time, so you're still gonna have to buy a space. But it could be, those lots could be used for uh, merchants, could be used for employees, could be used for customers. Um, anybody who wants to park there for the full day um, would have that ability on a first come, first serve basis. So that opens up essentially um, 89 parking spaces in both lots to be used on a daily uh, basis. Those lots would be, uh, would be payment required between 6A and 6P. Um, and then after hours, after 6 p.m., uh, between 6 p.m. and midnight, uh, the spaces in Depot and Ferraris will be completely free. For those that um, uh, often reference to me um, that they feel like they can't park in Ferraris lot, there are good reasons for that, right? Because all the signs there are dedicated towards merchant spaces or commuter spaces because that's what's in the town bylaw. Alicia did a great job a moment ago and I was talking, she's trying to read my mind and doing a great job of it. Um, she put up a bylaw where we did propose um, eliminating 
um, that language in that town code in the police uh, section 82 bylaw. Um, and at least for a placeholder, I offered in there the suggestion that um, the town administrator shall set the rates. Um, as I outlined in my memo, right now, as you can see, it might be crossed out because the track changes. For a merchant or a commuter, it's $180 a quarter or $720 a year, which ultimately comes out to $3 a day. The MBTA parking lot just below Depot Street is at $6 a day. And many of you were on the council when we upped that rate from $2 a day to $3 a day a few years ago. Um, I did put in the memo uh, the concept of at least maintaining the $3 a day. Um, obviously, I would, I, I would think that that would be up discussion for many people in the community as well as the uh, EDC. But I'm just giving you the background information at least where we are uh, right now. The library in Davis-Thayer lots, um, as I mentioned, um, Davis-Thayer will be starting probably in a couple months, uh, at some point later this fall, on a strategy for reuse and what that process will look like. Uh, but for the, for the time being, we need to add on there no overnight parking in the Davis-Thayer lot to allow the police to enforce um, that the Davis-Thayer school, those spots over there, um, don't continually just be parked up with people uh, overnight. I want to respect, uh, and I do think that this is um, something that um, the council and EDC have to make sure that we keep our eyes on. Um, you know, we can be fair during the day and let people park in Davis there for downtown harvest festivals, other civic events. We obviously know a lot of kids and families go down there and use the ball fields, and we want to encourage that. Uh, but we can't just have uh, people just treating those as like parking spaces forever uh, because ultimately the, the long term will be in all likelihood that something else will happen with, the, with that property. Um, and so we're going to maintain a, a strict enforcement on no overnight parking within the Davis Fair lot. Uh, the library lot, as I just mentioned, we are putting that on here. It is leased through Dean College on a long term lease. But for those of you who go to the library, you know that those spaces are generally filled with library patrons morning, noon, and night uh, because our library does a phenomenal job with incredible programs and has great offerings. And also that lot has been very beneficial for a lot of the events on the town common and, and such. We've never, to my knowledge, had a problem uh, with commuters in that lot uh, or any other uses. Uh, and so we feel at least maintaining a no overnight parking policy on the library lot until we see some other problem arise. Uh, that will be the proposed policy before, uh, before you all tonight. Um, and then I think there might be a couple of other um, uh, nuts and bolts to add in here. Um, number one, um, the Flowbird kiosks are on a massive weight. It would take about, if, if approved, and supported by the council, um, it would take about a four-month lead time to order them, uh, which would be in the middle of next winter. Um, and so it's going to take us a while uh, to replace all the signage, take down, again, if, if approved, to take down all the commuter or merchant-specific signs and be able to put up new signs. Uh, as I said in my memo, it'll take the DPW uh, about four to eight weeks to get uh, all of those uh, redone uh, and reinstalled. Um, and uh, I think, Madam Chair, that probably covers most of the points. Just kind of reading through my memo here. Oh, and then also um, on the agenda, as you can see, uh, we also brought back um, the uh, parking fine um, that had been proposed uh, and put on hold for this longer debate. 
Uh, the staff recommendation um, is to simply uh, is to uh, go forward with the incredible research that Lieutenant Riley did, um, and I think the the proposed increases in the traffic violations um, uh, are modest. Um, I think the reality is is that any fee or any fine at ten or fifteen dollars um, probably is not much of a deterrent to anybody. Um, and I just want to note one more thing on traffic enforcement uh, on tickets. Um, you know, during the pandemic and up until uh, now, and really, I would probably foresee it for a little while longer until we get some sort of consensus uh, on the downtown lot. Um, you know, the, our, our former parking clerk, um, uh, uh, I think the chief had mentioned at a recent meeting, or m multiple meetings, uh, did uh, leave the department a couple years ago. Um, and really, we have not really seen any need to have any major traffic enforcement in either the lots or on uh, Main Street. Uh, but as the pandemic has kind of subsided to some degree and we're moving on and commuting and, and people uh, are uh, reevaluating, restructuring their lives, uh, we do think at some point parking enforcement uh, will be needed uh, due to the demand in downtown Franklin. That being said, uh, the idea that somehow we're like the city of Boston with this slew of parking clerks walking around ticketing people is just not true. Um, and so even though these parking restrictions and these proposals are there, it doesn't necessarily mean that after one hour, there's a group of people waiting at your car to give you a ticket. Um, I think to some degree, parking in downtown is kind of like speeding when you have two hours. Most people probably stay two and a half, two and a, four, two, a little longer than that. Um, I haven't heard of very many people getting ticketed in downtown Franklin uh, recently. I'm sure the chief has some numbers on that, but I don't think it's overwhelming. Uh, it's not our goal to be heavily enforced, at least at this stature, because we do believe we have a lot of parking in downtown Franklin. Um, but I'll close up by saying that the idea behind the one hour on Main and East Central is at least uh, generally seen as something to get a greater rotation of traffic in those spaces. Uh, most of the businesses um, that are there are probably uh, options for quick stops. We understand there are a few that may not be, um, but with opening up the parking lots, um, you know, we think that Ferraris and Depot will provide a lot of other additional customer parking for people that do want to stay in downtown for three or four hours, um, that do have uh, a longer plan to hang out in downtown. Um, you know, at least those two lots will be wide open for people uh, to use. I think that covers mainly most of the high points, Madam Chair. Obviously, I'm sure there'll be a lot of feedback and comments and happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Jamie. Um, there's also, we added some um, handicap spaces as well. Yep. Yeah. We did add um, We did add in the Depot Street lot the proposed to add two more handicap spaces uh, up on the top level of the lot, uh, closest to Dean Bank, um, which would also be closest to the Depot Street uh, roadway uh, as well as uh, DNAF. Right. And um, just to clarify, so the Depot Street and Ferraris that will have kiosks eventually. Mm -hmm. And um, do we, um, we didn't mention weekend parking? <clears throat> well, Sundays, I think most cities and towns have free parking on Sundays. I, I, we've left that uh, intact. Um, you know, it's just good business practice. I've never been anywhere where they charge you parking or, or even have restrictions on Sundays. Um, and then on Saturdays, uh, the downtown lots would be available 
Uh, and Ferraris will be available, um, I would assume, for free parking as well. We hadn't really made it that far. We were focusing on Main Street and East Central Street, but um, I think Saturdays and Sundays would seem like good opportunities to have uh, free parking. Okay, yes. In both, in both lots, I should say. Good, I like that. That's really good. Um, it, I think it would be it would be nice to be able to remove the um, signs so that people will automatically already be able to start to park there, so they know that there's parking there. If that if um, the DPW director could um, we could fit that in somehow just to remove the signs that screwdriver. <laughs> that. Um, and once we pass this, I guess is what we have to do, right? We have to change the bylaw first um, instead of waiting so that, that, so people feel better. They, they don't want to break the law, right? They want to be able to go park there and um, not feel um, like they're, they're they, um, the chief is going to come and, and yell at them. He's actually in the audience, so. Um, and then, I don't um, think he'd yell at him. He'd just give him a ticket. <laughs> and, and the um, the fees, I like the fees. I think that thank you, Lieutenant Riley, for this. I know you got you and um, Chief Lynch did a lot of work on this. Um, and the, it's nice to have the handicapped parking um, fee raised. So I like. I think that's a great idea. The unauthorized parking, though, Jamie, is that um, just a no parking? The unauthorized parking fee. Just so, just so I don't, I think I screwed it up the last time, so I'll let the chief answer that one. <laughs> no. Lieutenant Riley, could you answer that question? Lieutenant Riley, what is the question? Um, at the bottom of the fines, there's unauthorized parking. Is that a no, is that a no parking, if somebody parked in a no parking area? Uh, good evening, everybody, Lieutenant Riley. Uh, I, I believe what happens with unauthorized parking is it, it, it basically covers all that's not listed on the list. It's, it's a catch-all to a unique situation that may not be. We, we couldn't put every every violation on this ticket book. Okay. Days, so <laughs> I think we use that caveat as a. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I just want to make sure everybody, everybody knows that. Thank you for the clarification. Um. Does, it, does anybody want to have a quick statement and then we're going to go to the audience and see people are waiting. You want to go to the audience first? Yes. All right, let's go to the audience first. Does anyone want to come up to the microphone and ask a question or have a statement? Um, we have one here. Go ahead. And then you're, Gary, you're next. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're going to time it, okay? Hi. We're going to time it. Oh, name and address. And you got the timer? Yes. Here, here. Oh, that's too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, you start now. Sorry. Beth Whirling, 164 Main Street, um, downtown resident. Um, just a comment on the Main Street downtown business corridor proposal. Um, I'm asking that we reconsider this to present a two hour uh, minimum. Um, my main comment is on a letter B. The parking is free and intended to uh, incubate a greater rotation of cars to do basic errands and stops. Examples, post office bank, shopping, lunch, coffee, breakfast, drop off. Uh, most travel during, the down, during downtown during the daytime or for short errands. I'm curious how that was determined. Um, for me, short errands, um, when I go downtown to many of the places, Birchwood, Skate into Fiction, 
you know, hair salons where I get my hair done, Teddy Gallagher's, Zami Shoes, Valley Jewelers, Jewelers, Greco Design, nail salons. Um, as a woman, I can tell you, going to many of these locations, especially the ones for nails, my hair, um, and I don't know how many times um, my husband and I go to Teddy Gallagher's for dinner, there's no way I go in there for lunch or one hour, okay? Um, there's multiple times for two hours or more. And I understand you're opening up the longer lots. Where's the signage that's gonna be posted around downtown? I haven't heard any discussion about signage and how to point people to get there. Um, you don't go out for breakfast at Birchwood for an hour. All right, you don't take your family out to many of these locations for an hour. Um, I'm pleased to say I was walking downtown um, this weekend. So lots of families out with their cars parked, strollers getting out. But they're using the downtown for many things other than just going for quick errands. They're taking their family downtown. That's what we've been looking for. We want our families downtown. They're not people that live downtown. They're coming from other areas of downtown, driving to our downtown, and taking their families out for an afternoon or a morning. So I'm hoping we'll reconsider to support our downtown and our businesses, because that's what we're doing. Franklin for all, that's what we're looking for. That's why we're here. Two hours, please. Thank you. Gary McIntosh, 24 East Street. Um, one of the things I think that has gotten lost in, in all of the discussion is when we originally met at the beginning of the year was to talk about Dean College parking in the residential areas. And we really haven't discussed that this evening. And Dean's back at college and they're back parking. And, you know, I used to be one uh, young ones too and used to like to have a good time. And the houses in our area don't have a lot of setback from the street. So when four car doors close and the, and the remote, you know, lock beeps at 11 o'clock at night, it's, it's disruptive. And they shouldn't be parking there in the first place. One question I had on the memo, Jamie's memo, number two, residential parking. It talks about uh, the blue section has residential parking from 8 to 2, Monday through Friday, to prevent daytime commuters, etc. It's not residential parking. Anybody can park there. There's a two-hour parking limit. And the confusion in that wording, it sounds like residents can park there from 8 to 2. And that's not what it is. It's, it's a two-hour limit Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You've got a two-hour parking limit in the residential neighborhoods. So I just thought we'd clarify that. On the fines, I think you all know at the beginning of the year I was in favor of uh, higher fines. But I once learned when I had hair that the world doesn't revolve around me. And so I think Lieutenant Riley and the police department did a lot of research. So I'm certainly okay with trying the new fines. Here's a request. It looks like all of these changes are gonna go into effect July 2023. And my request to this committee and the town council is can we vote on putting the fine, the new fines in place now and so that when the signage goes in place and the kiosks go in place and all the parking lots and all those changes happen, the fines will already be in place because they're parking there now. And so if we agree on the new fines, let's get them implemented now and not wait till July of 2023 because it feels like this is getting kicked down the road further and further and further. So that would be my request. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. Um, Jamie, you have a... 
Can you answer that? We can definitely, yeah, uh, through you, Madam Chair, uh, the fines can definitely be implemented at a much faster rate. It does, I believe, still require the two bylaw readings, so I think the earliest they'd be able to be put into effect would probably be in November, December, at best case scenario, but they can be bumped up earlier than, um, than the July 1st. The July 1st is an estimated date, just based on the amount of time to order kiosks, to, to take down the old signs, to bring up new signs, and to install the infrastructure in, um, in ground that is thawed. Okay, thank you. Another hand? Dorn Courthouse, uh, 22 East Central. I'm a business owner in downtown Franklin. I own the Liberty Tax. I think it should be two hours. A lot of my customers during tax seasons when I'm, I'm the busiest will wait over an hour for me. And a lot of them go to Birchwood now and they go to Escape. So it's it's been great that you know we have that. My biggest problem is being students. I mean, they're there all day. And I know I drove Lieutenant Riley nuts over the <laughs> last tax season trying to get them to move because they just stay there. And then when the snowplows can't come in, and I have had seniors in the middle of the road, they can't walk over the piles. It's just crazy. So I would vote for the two-hour parking because it's it's been great seeing all the development downtown since I, owned the, uh, since I bought the business. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, one of the things I just want to quickly say is that we met with the dean, um, the new dean president, and the new ch dean chancellor, who wants to create some kind of community um, meetings and get to know each other. So I hope all of us will will, will participate in that. There was a hand. Yes. Hi, Pam Young, 59 West Street. Um, I also did speak with the new dean of, oh, good. of dean good. college. He's very nice. Very nice um, young man. I agree everything what Gary McIntosh has, has said, and I also just wanted to see if I could propose maybe just a few things for our neighborhood for the parking. I don't know if this can be done, but just wanted to propose mm -hmm. it anyway. Seeing how the Dean students are back and they are parking all over our streets, is there any way we could implement the 6 a.m., the 6, um, oh, I'm sorry, the midnight to 6 a.m., no parking? I mean, I know at one time you you said to us that if you have families staying over, well, it doesn't matter anyway because they wouldn't be able to park in front of the home at that time. And also, my other proposed thing would be, I would rather see commuter parking put in the neighborhoods. We do live near the downtown, the train, and I'd rather see residents parking in front of my home because I know that they're going to leave. They're not going to stay there for three or four days and they're not going to, you know, wake me up at all hours of the night. Thank you. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Steve. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen Pacini here on behalf of Pacini Shoe Store, 22 Main Street, with a merchant's perspective. Uh, my thunder has somewhat been stolen because I was going to say a number of the same things. However, I think what's also lost is that most of the businesses that were mentioned are owned by local people. You know, people that live in town, they've, uh, they make their livelihood in town, they've raised families in town, they pay taxes here, they vote here. And I think 
that's important because that's a sense of community and where on the one hand you may say okay thank you very much for all of the above I think this reduction from the two hour to one hour policy may actually hurt that sense of, of community and I'll just give a quick example of something that happens you know quite frequently let's say there's a, a mother with two small children she says okay kids let's go downtown get haircuts and let's get shoes so you bring the kids they park they go into maybe Patty's nail it they have the kids with the haircuts, they come over to the, the shoe store. By the time, you know, the kids get measured, fitted, they, they race around, then they decide, is it the blue ones, the red ones, you know, the ones with Spider-Man, the dump truck on the, the side. Ones. An hour goes by quickly, the lighted ones, exactly. And an hour goes by, you know, quickly. And I know Lisa Piano, I'm not sure if she's gonna speak tonight, but she's done a great job over the years with the Franklin Downtown Partnership with the you know the the strawberry and the harvest festivals which really have showcased a lot of the franklin businesses and i would say that you know what's what's the message that we're um sending you know post pandemic we have had a new bookshop we have a new restaurant if anyone is considering a long-term lease or an investment in the downtown are we saying to people that we're only going to allow you to conduct your business within, within one hour i mean you know is that going to force people to the outskirts? Worse, is it going to force them out of town? So again, I think the town really needs to consider the, the effect that a, a one-hour parking, in a perfect world, sure, you can maybe go in and out and do your things, but if you want to, you know, and, and, and the other thing, I guess, to wrap up, I don't want to go on, but, you know, we're, with the high prices of fuel today, and where in all other aspects of our lives we're trying to reduce the consumption of fossil fuels if someone is unable to complete their business one day you know in my simple example okay maybe today is haircut day and they have to drive back tomorrow is shoe day and they have to drive back you know tomorrow maybe dance and piano lessons and they drive back you know tomorrow maybe lunch at Gallagher's and browsing in the the bookstore so I think and frankly, I don't really see a big need. You know, this isn't downtown Boston where people are circling block after block waiting for a space. <laughs> Most days from nine to five downtown, you can find parking. You know, maybe not right in front of the store you want to go, but within a short walk. So anyway, I appreciate him being given the opportunity to express my views. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else? Yeah. Uh, Sam Williams, 28 Queen Street. Um, I just had maybe one suggestion for specifically your neighborhood is the idea of uh, implementing a residential permit parking like they do in Boston neighborhoods. So they could have parking, like residents could park overnight, but then you wouldn't have to gain college kids. I don't know, might be an easy way to get that done. Thank you. Um, is there anyone else in the audience? It's the car wash. Then got a band playing. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. There's music coming in the window. Yeah. We don't know where it's coming from. When the car wash closes, the band sets up. Seriously? It's because I see it's a band. Lisa Piana, 6 Matthew Drive, the executive director of the Franklin Downtown Partnership. Here to represent the partnership and the many downtown businesses. And Steve, 
Um, so my thunder because um, he said it so eloquently and I love that it's from a business owner because I walked around and I talked to probably um, about a dozen business owners um, this past week and um, a couple things um, I think most of them agree with the no overnight parking we think that's going to help with um, you know some of the students maybe parking overnight um, so I think most are in favor of that I don't I don't ever like to say everybody or all my members we have like 375 members now so I say you know most of the downtown businesses I talk to um, there are pockets of um, areas that have chronic um, offenders of, of people parking um, and, and talking to the few business owners that have that issue um, I, I know uh, Liberty Tax um, just mentioned she's one of them. Um, we think if there's more enforcement, that could take care of the situation. I think if if there's more enforcement on a, on a daily basis, that could um, really help with that. But I think the overnight parking will help with that. Um, we're excited about the um, the two downtown uh, lots opening up. We think that's going to be a huge help. Um, I don't, I'm not sure who's online, so I don't want to. Um, get into all the details but I did talk to a couple of businesses already that will take advantage of having their employees park there and that's going to really help with the back lots and then that'll help with East Central Street and Main Street because yeah. it's a domino effect as yes. we all know yes. um, but the, the one hour parking I I have not heard from one person one business owner or or any of the customers I ran into or residents who like that idea they would like to keep the two hour um, some have suggested um, going from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. 2 p.m. to extend that to maybe 3 but going to 6 is really too far and hopefully some of the restaurants are online to talk about that that will affect the restaurants um, to use an example as, as Stephen did um, you know if you're at the bookstore at um, you know four o'clock and then you want to go over to Teddy's you could come out with a ticket if you you know stay for over an hour in there um, so a lot of decision-making um, isn't done ahead of time sometimes you're like you know eating at the bakery for an hour with friends and then you're like oh let me go check out you know what they have in the frame shop or let me go check out the new bookstore and then all of a sudden you know you're over that one hour very quickly um, even over the two hours so um, so yeah so hopefully there's some other people online that want to talk further about some of the details but um, I appreciate the time thanks thank you is there anyone else in the audience um, there I think Alicia there's someone on online can't is it Allie mm -hmm. Allie she said, "Okay." Um, Allie. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, Allie Rayum, 47 Summer Street. Um, I'd like to speak up on behalf of anyone in town utilizing the town with disability. Um, I do appreciate that two additional handicapped spots were put at the depot uh, parking lot. That is very much appreciated. Um, what I'd like to point out in addition though is many people who have uh, placards for handicapped parking, um, someone such as myself 
reasoning being uh, inability to walk 200 feet or more without assistance. And so if someone parks in that lot, they may not be able to physically get to the majority of businesses on Main Street. Like I know if I parked there, I would not be able to get myself from that parking lot, even to uh, the bookstore, right? Never mind the shoe shop or, or, or the bakery. Um, so I'd like to propose a consideration for an increase of uh, handicapped parking, maybe even one spot right here or there, like actually on the main street um, or some other lot that I maybe am unaware of, but um, a consideration for more of the, the population with disability for handicap parking and also the accessibility that goes with handicap parking. Um, you know, where where our sidewalks cut out, right? Or so if a car pulls up on a curb on that main street, you know, can they even get out um, of the vehicle or is the curb in the way and, and, and things like that. So it increased awareness for that population as well. So thank you for hearing me on that. Thank you, Allie. Um, the other, the two that are on the, on the street, there are two on the street right now, I think, um, but one, FPS in the bank, okay. okay. And there's one on East Central, is that on the street? Okay, maybe one. A new one. Maybe another one. A new one in the front. But thank you, Allie, we'll definitely, um, I know I saw um, Administrator Helen writing, writing things down, so <laughs> this has been really good. Is there anyone else online? What do you think, Alicia? Is that good? I think they're all set. Okay. We have. I saw her. I'm sorry. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. Hi. Ruth Crandall, 35 East Street. I know it's been said, and we, you said it's not feasible, but I want to say it one more time, as this gentleman did residential parking only. The two-hour parking that you have in our neighborhood, the Dean kids have it down pat. They know it's two hours, they run up, they move their car. So you're not getting any spaces in front of your house because when they move, the other one that was up here will move down there. They've got it down packed. Or they'll move from in front of our house to in front of our son's house or to Gary's house. So there's always those cars there, they're just different cars. Mm -hmm. If it was residential parking, it would really help tremendously. My son and daughter-in-law can't even park in front of their house. They're in our driveway. We live across the street from them. They park in our house to unload their groceries. It's just, we're just begging mm -hmm. residential parking. Um, I was going to ask Lieutenant Riley, has, did you look for look up uh, residential parking only in your, um, did you do any research on that? Uh, not particularly. I, I think what uh, Lieutenant Riley and Eleven Panther Light. Um, I think we looked at uh, downtowns with colleges and a similar size downtown business district. We, we, we did not compare those. Mm -hmm. so. Did they have any residential only areas? Uh, not that I was aware. Okay. All right. Well. Okay, so does everyone have all of our comments from the outside? Yeah. 
Councilor Sheridan, do you have any comments? Yes, I mean, uh, for the public park, I hope they have the place signs. Because whenever I go to a new place, always a blue sign. When they fall in the public park, it's easy to find, easy to go. The, a big, a big, big blue, blue P. Yeah, you, right? come, you, come in, you come in there, you see it, and then you kind of follow it. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on any of the? Not this time. Okay. Council Frenzel. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, appreciate all of this. I mean, this is this is very comprehensive, and, and I think it's this definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I just listed out my thoughts, so apologies if they're in a strange order. Um, one is, um, while I appreciate uh, this process, which is really just beginning, because even if we get to uh, something by the end of today, we still need two more um, hearings uh, with the town council uh, to get to anything. That's a very laborious process to something that I think should be much more responsive to uh, current needs. Um, and I would love to, I, I love that um, we've empowered the town administrator to change uh, the rates uh, of the municipal lots. Um, so it has demand, you know, in response to demand, he can change the rates. I would love to also empower him uh, to change times uh, and hours um, as well. I mean, this is how. It's typically done in a sort of legislative executive way. Uh, we give them a charge, we give them the outlines, um, you know, maybe guidelines, but we allow the, the person who, um, it, it can, who has the flexibility to be much more um, responsive to, to real-time needs. Um, we empower them to make those changes as opposed to having to do uh, you know, three months of public hearings where we want to raise uh, a rate uh, a dollar an hour. Um, so I, I hope that we, we can consider uh, such a bylaw. Uh, okay, uh, I love that our residents came because I did think that that was the missing piece um, of this was, and I, I don't have a great answer, but we didn't adjust the length of times. I was wondering if you could speak to that, Jamie, length of times on the side street, like why not make them later, and then um, I have thoughts, but I, I guess I would ask you first. Um, we didn't address the overnight. Like right now, it's free to park from 2 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next morning. Is that what we're? Sorry, that it's free and you can park as long as you want. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I get it. I, I think all of this is great. And I would just go a step further, and I think the um, you know, Sam's idea, certainly the idea of having PC, but we, what we keep uh, talking about is uh, a residential permit uh, process that um, allows them to, you know, they allow residents to stay overnight um, in all these places and um, everything. So it's, it's a, you know, we put on every sign, no overnight except with permit. Uh, and then we, you know, we, we give out those permits, and we can increase the rates if we're uh, if they're being used too much. I, I really hope that we consider that uh, as the next step um, after this. Yeah, I'd love your thought. Sorry, I'll frame it as a question. <laughs> you saw my hand go up. <laughs> I, I just I gotta say for the for the purpose of right now, I mean, we've we've litigated the parking permits issue. I know Lieutenant Riley, the chief, are there. 
they can get up and speak out with me about it, but it's just not needed. Um, there's not that much demand. We're talking about a, a, a really small isolated problem that I think we've, I've been on the record many times um, and I've talked to Pam and those neighbors. Um, we've met with them many, many times. We've had the police out there collecting data. Uh, I know all of you on the EDC have driven around those neighbor, that neighborhood and that street uh, a lot. Um, the thing with no overnight parking is then you're clearing out all no overnight parking, including residents, and we do not have anywhere near the staffing capacity or the administrative ability to deal with residential parking passes. I think we're creating a much more substantial and larger problem than what we're actually intending. I think the unforeseen circumstances uh, are far greater. Uh, we are not Boston and Cambridge and Somerville. We do not have that kind of demand on the side streets. We're, we're not street sweeping all the time and, and dealing with tickets and things. Um, and as the chief has said, I think uh, for many, many years, um, you know, you're just gonna have to get a software package. There'll have to be training associated with all of it. Um, you're gonna have to hire more administrative staff to deal with it, then the enforcement comes with it, and then you irritate and upset a lot of other residents who right now everything works fine except for that little area that the folks have brought up over on East Street and West Street and Mason Street um, and some of the side streets that um, you know have some Dean College parking. I think the, the avenue right now is to try to take the offer of the new president and chancellor um, to create a neighborhood association, um, to try to work with the students um, and uh, in the new leadership over there to try to come up with some other innovative uh, ideas. I think as Chancellor Augustus has mentioned, he was the city manager of Worcester for eight or nine years, worked at Holy Cross. They have a lot of college students issues in those residential neighborhoods. Maybe there's some additional ideas he can bring to the table. Um, I would just hesitate to move forward on residential parking permits. Um, where I think there's going to be a, a much much bigger uh, issues to solve um, than what we're actually trying to fix. That's just my response, at least, to some of the questions. I'm, I'll wait, Madam Chair, till the end um, to address some. I've taken some notes down, as you said, to some of the other points, but I just wanted to address the parking permit issue. Thanks. <coughs> no, that's what, your points are, are very well taken. I, I, Albeit, I think perhaps a little overstated. I mean, Natick has residential permit parking, Mansfield has residential permit parking. It's not unheard of, and you're getting revenue to help cover the expenses to, to deal with that. But again, the, the, the points um, well taken for the, for the short term. Um, let's see how, how our relationship with these improves. Um, two of the things that are missing uh, here. One is, is, you know, and I think we've talked about it, to actually enforce some of these, um, not over-enforce, surely, but um, to, to actually make sure that we're uh, enforcing um, beyond whatever time we set, as well as increased visibility, not only changing the signage in terms of clarity, but actually changing signage in terms of people coming on the street and knowing where to go. That needs to be a piece of this, right? It really, like, the, the piece isn't the lack of parking, it's not knowing where parking is. Uh, that's not gonna be solved just by changing the policy, it's gonna be solved by big signs uh, off the streets. Um, okay. Sorry, do you have to come, come back to me? Or not? I have two other, two other points, I can, I can save them. So, 
Okay. Um, um, let me go to Councilor Jones, in case he has anything. Just a couple of quick things. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, first off, as far as bylaw amendment 22879 is concerned in regards to the fines that are listed here, I'm 100% behind Lieutenant Great work on this. I think the residents agree this is a great start. Like anything, it's it's a starting point. Hopefully, it's effective. And with you, Council Hamlin, I agree on the handicap parking going to 50. Now, uh, adding, <clears throat> just like the young lady said earlier, adding in the uh, handicap extra spaces. That is, to me, that's a big, that's awesome. I'm glad that we're adding in the uh, additional handicap spaces. Like much as what has been said today. I think the one thing I have to comment on that I don't agree with, like most people don't, is the one-hour parking. I mean, for the most part, it's almost like that on average people will spend more than one, but typically not greater than two. I mean, a great example of something like that is I went to Fire and Ice for my daughter's birthday just last month and I had, had to go to Berkeley Street, Newbury Street in Boston. I found a parking space on Newbury Street. I got a, I got a, a, a ticket to park there. I parked my car on Newbury Street, walked to Fire and Ice. My family of eight had dinner, got our meals. And by the time I got back to my car, it was one hour and 55 minutes. So two hours seems like a reasonable amount of time, even Boston. But one hour is definitely way too short. Because the goal is to try to keep the parking moving. Um, other than that, just the mere fact that we are doing away with all the commuter spaces and opening up these parking lots to allow for an extended amount of parking is a great idea, but also along the lines of what um, Mr. Sheridan was saying is we, we need better signage. We really do. We need, we need to be able to direct the customers into the spaces that for all intents and purposes will be considered extended parking spaces so that they understand if they plan on staying at the bar, or they plan on staying at the Rome, or they plan on going shopping for an extended period of time, they at least know where to go. You know, they can say, all right, go down to Depot Plaza, park down there, um, there's plenty of parking spaces. But everything else seems pretty good to me, with the exception of trying to work with Dean College, hopefully that works out, um, and increasing it to two hours. The one note I want to make to everybody, though, before I run out of time, is this is the EDC. We're going to go with whatever best recommendations come out of this, but this, of course, has to still go to full council, where this will have yet another set of discussions. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Um, so I just I I know a lot of people are worried about the one-hour parking, um, and I'm kind of torn about it, but. One of the things that we've never had before is we've never had these other parking lots open and available for people to park in. And that's for a longer term. So if I think to myself, I might go to the, get shoes and then go to the bookstore, I'm gonna park in the longer term place. I'm not gonna park in the one hour space. Maybe, um, I, I think like if you're gonna go get coffee from Birchwood, then you're gonna go through the one hour parking spot. If you're gonna go and have breakfast, you might go to somewhere else. But I understand it's a totally new concept for people to think about. Um, and I'm not, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not wedded to the one hour. I think, um, so I, I, um, I would be amendable to change it. I just think when we 
start to open up the parking spaces, people are gonna have much more, a much better chance to actually be downtown and to realize that they can go there and it's open. Um, and so that's, to me, is really exciting to have more handicapped spaces. We have these two areas that will have kiosks, whether we still have some free parking. Um, I think we have a little bit of everything for everybody, as well as, as Jamie said, we will have, we're gonna work on trying to um, work on enforcement now of these new fines. So um, I think um, we can move this on to the full council. Madam Chair, I'd like to make a motion to move um, the proposal with an amendment to the proposal that the, the, the proposed one hour period highlighted in the proposal for um, the Main Street and New Central Street be amended to be part of the two hour parking supply, not, not a one hour parking. Right, so we have a motion um, on an amended proposal. I think motion to amend. Right? A motion to yeah. amend? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll second that, that motion to amend the two hour. I, I also would defend uh, Jamie's choice of one hour. The idea is that. We have two different things. People want to stay there a long time and making sure that we have increased turnover. Right. But I, I hear the point, starting at two hour, I would second the motion to amend to two hours. Okay, all in favor, so by, by saying aye. 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 Okay, the amendment stands. So Another motion to amend. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, motion to amend the overnight parking, uh, fine, to, uh, Fifty. Uh, Where is that? That's the last. That was one of the things that we kept hearing was that um, you could take a whole bunch of tickets uh, and still be cheaper than the uh, the dean uh, pass. Uh, and I think as currently stands, you could take ten tickets, and if our uh, if, we're, if we're not relying on that being out every single night, uh, perhaps. Uh, stricter overnight fee. So motion to amend to 50 for overtime. Overnight. Just to, just to clarify, you mean overtime? Because you said overnight. No, I it's all night parking. All night parking. Sorry. Oh, all, all night, night parking restricted. Right. All night parking restricted. Okay. We have a we have a motion and a second. All in favor? We have a discussion. Yeah. You want to discuss it? No. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 No. Opposed? No. Okay. That's three to one. Can I make a further amendment? <laughs> typically, you make all your amendments in one. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Okay. Apologies. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. All uh, right. We have, we have two so far. Yep. And, and, and this is less. Uh, of a direct amendment, but I, I really would like us to uh, agree to empower Jamie to change, to empower the town administrator, town staff to change hours, rates, and times um, in you know to meet the uh, economic development interests of downtown. Don't 
you know what, I'm gonna, um, Jamie just raised his hand, so we'll find out if we can do that. I think, I personally think it would be a great idea if we could give them that, to be able to do that quickly, but let's see. Jamie. <laughs> so, I uh, threw you, Madam Chair. I'm not sure I wanted it. I'm um, so, um, in all seriousness, so uh, what Councillor Frangillo, I think, is mentioning, so there's nothing to respond to. I don't think there's a proposal in, in front of us that we would be amended. Oh, okay. So, what Councillor Frangillo would essentially be saying, as opposed to amending, making an amendment to something like on the map, um, I think we'd have to make some sort of declaration, either um, probably in town code, yeah. no that right. the town administrator shall have the authority in consultation with the chief of police and the DPW director to uh, alter you know, parking rates, times, and hours within the downtown parking district. Right. It'd be okay. something, I, I know I said that a little quick, uh, I've literally just made that up right now uh, based on Kobe's uh, suggestion, but I think if you were going to do that, it would have to be a separate bylaw uh, cabinet, okay. which you could still, which is still part of the discussion tonight and still okay to move on if the EDC so chooses. It's just not actually amending anything physical that's right here right now. That would be a separate thing. Yeah. Right, got it. Thank you, Jamie. Um, also, Jones, you have a comment about the amendment? About the non-amendment? <laughs> no, I hate saying can't because there's no. Just as a discussion point, um, typically at a subcommittee level, we don't usually have the authorization to make any kind of proposals in regards to the time administrative right. responsibilities. That's it's a full time council. Yeah, that's a that's a different meeting. Yeah. Okay. We encourage him to present it. You know, while he presents these things, present that language to draft and present that language. Jamie, when he brings these to the council. Sorry, through you, Madam Chair. Um, you, the EDC is certainly within its right. Uh, right now, the, it's not as if the, the issue is, that he's bringing up is, is clearly related to the item on the agenda, um, and the EDC could decide to either bring it back to another EDC meeting to discuss, or, as I think Councilor Fringillo might have just said, I'm sorry, I might have missed it a little bit, broken Bring up. language to the council. Uh, <laughs> you could bring language to the council in a separate bylaw if the EDC chose. Okay, thank you. I was wondering. We have another amendment. Yes. Um, yeah, what? resident only to East Street, West Street, Mason, Church Street. Well, we can't. Jamie. Madam Chair, can I just, I, I just want to take one amendment at a time. Like, so I think Kobe made a something, and if he's not going to talk any further, oh, is, that, is that close, Kobe? Yeah, we have to close that amendment. Okay. Yes. Or not an amendment, but whatever he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, move to Councilor Sheridan's <laughs> amendment. Do I have a second? And I, I don't. It's not a formal amendment because we don't have language in front of us. But, yeah. but can we agree to encourage Jamie to present? Yes. That that language to the council. Yes. I just think you should take a vote on that. Should we should take a vote on? Yeah. Just no. We vote on that. Time up. Time up. Hold on. 
as the clerk, let me clarify something. As, as, as part of our job as a subcommittee is to work and decide on things that are directly related to economic development and things that are specific to the amendments that are proposed to us. There is no specific proposal in front of us tonight that has any kind of recommendations into regards to giving the town administrator the authority to change fee rates in regards to anything that's proposed in it. So, oh, hold on. Let me finish. That's, but that's something he he crossed out and said this could be a good idea. That okay. you really, you really should be careful because that's that's an executive authority between that that he is given permission through through full council. We do this all the time. We're, this isn't this is going to the council. We do this all the time. We we say something and we encourage him to go in front of the council. Okay. And, and all right. You know what? Let's just let's. Um, let us move this maybe to another agenda somewhere down the road, okay? And um, let's get through this today. So, um, Councilor Sheridan has an amendment, I think. Yes. To add residential parking to West Street, East Street, Mason, and Church. President Olden. Um, I'm going to go right to Jamie because we've already. Jamie? Through you, Madam Chair. Um, could could Councillor Sheridan just reiterate exactly what? Just to add resident overnight to the signs on, on those streets. Resident right. overnight resident only? Yeah. You, you, I think, why not? I think, if I understand, you can't just segregate out residents and non residents and just say one part. These are public streets. People have a right to park there. I understand the dichotomy with Dean College and some of the students. I think we've shown a much more than a greater effort to try to solve this. This is a very isolated issue. But to say no residential overnight or no overnight other than residents is starting to get into uh, a place that I think is going to set off a slippery slope. Uh, well, we just don't want the we just don't want anybody on our streets except for us. And that's where the residential permit system comes in. Um, you know, I just think that there are better options than just saying we're going to have no overnight parking everywhere. Otherwise, if you have no overnight parking on any side street, then residents and no one else can park there, and um, or family members or other people that come by, and you're going to get asked to have no overnight parking in a lot of other areas. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> you want to keep it? Right. Do we have a second? Okay. All right. So, um, just no. There's two. There's two amendments that we'll move on. Um, I think what we'll do is, um, I think we're done. We have to approve them with the amendments. We do oh, have to vote on the amendments. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. No, we have to approve on the amendments. We have to vote on the amendments to move on. We did vote on the amendments. Now we just have Food to vote on the original vote. with the amendments. Yeah, as amendments. As amendments. Right, that's what I was trying to say. Um, sorry. All right, so I would take a motion to, can we approve all of this? Yeah. Everything? Yeah, no, just saying that approved is with amendments. Okay. All right, I would take a motion to approve as amended. Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 aye.
traffic violations so that would also require a roll call vote and then also what we did roll call. did you do you amended it with the fifty dollars but did you vote to to move oh, I, on those fines as amended i thought we moved we, we made a motion to move to to move everything on yeah. yes okay as and amended. Then the last one which is possibly the most important because when I hear a lot of folks um, talk about signage, the reason why the signage is not very good in some of the areas is because the signage is restricted based on the current bylaw. You have to move on the issue of allowing the town administrator to set the rates. You have to vote to take out the language separating merchant and commuter parking out of the police bylaw. If you do not want me to set the rates as currently proposed, Alicia, if you could put it up on the screen, please, then then you need to set a rate so that there's a rate no, that we, we I can put in the bylaw of what that's supposed to be. Okay, I would accept the motion to approve the changes in the, what, what, what is, what is yeah, this? We're approving everything as yeah, the, 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 the fee schedule. Yeah. The fee schedule. The, the, the verbiage of the, the change on the fee schedule. You're talking about K, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's talking about K. Okay. I, I thought we approved that all, all together, but that's okay. I'll take a motion to approve. So moved. All in favor? Oh, we have to do a roll call. Right? No. Frangelo? Nope. No, it's, it's, it's a majority. It's a majority. We don't need a roll call. He said roll call. So, each remote. Okay, all in favor, Secretary, say aye. 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 You don't, no. all opposed? No. No? No. Okay, three to one. <laughs> the three to one on the fee schedule as a whole? Or three to, no, just on K, because that's part of the, yeah, it's not part three of the Three to one schedule. on the fee schedule, K three to one on K. K is different than the, than the, than four, the fee Four, four on the change, the two hour, the one hour to two hour. Okay. Okay? Everybody get it? Appendix A. Service fee K, we have parking. Right, you did three. It's a three okay. Do you want to vote again? Uh, no, no, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, do you have any final? That was it, right, Jamie? Because last time I tried to cut you off and. No, I uh, think about I just want to. Um, well, Allie left. I was going to respond to the handicap uh, request, but um, I will have the town engineer in case she's still looking, uh, listening at home. Um, I will have Mike Maglio go up and see if there is any other opportunities. I'm not sure there will be any other spaces, but I'll have him take a look. I wanted to just assure her that um, we have spent a lot of time and a lot of effort to try to make um, those spaces more acceptable. We may also be able to look at the Ferraris lot at another spot, but I will have the engineer go take a look at that. So I just wanted to make sure I responded to her request because we are, um, as I know all of you are in the EDC, we're, uh, we're certainly very sensitive to those types of requests and we want to make it as hospitable for everybody as possible. So yes, thank you, uh, thank you very much for let me just make that okay. comment to Allie at the end. Yeah, I Thanks. think, um, you know, we, I talked to him before and he said we need more handicaps. So they, yeah. so Mike did go out, but he can, he'll, maybe he can check it again. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Matra. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Feel better. All in favor of a motion to approve. So motion, motion to adjourn. Adjourn. Second. All in favor. All in favor. Aye. Debatable. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.